Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, everybody. Greg Harrelson here with the Level Up podcast and I've got an exciting guest and I always say I got an exciting guest but let me tell you what's exciting about this particular guest. Um, a lot of you know that I've got an extensive you know um, history with the Mike Ferry organization and um, a lot of people that I know today that have done some amazing things or are doing amazing things you know there are people that maybe I've met years and years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, by being around different Mike Ferry events. And then we all went into different, uh, you know, took different paths on how we wanted to, you know, reach the top in our real estate profession. And then later on, I, I, I start to kind of reconnect with some of these people. And this is one of those times where Jackie Kravitz um, and I knew each other years and years ago. And one of the things that I think we both know about each other is, we love taking listings. It's like, it, 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 it's a sport, not to minimize the value and the serving that we want to bring to the consumer. It's not like to treat them like they're just a number, but it was just the sport of going out and figuring out how to get listings and get them sold year after year, no matter what the market was. So I want to introduce you for those of you that don't know, and a lot of you probably do, Jackie Kravitz. And Jackie, your company is Sales X Training, and yeah. you are a listing dominating, a listing machine. I, I, I know you are. So welcome to the show, Jackie. Uh, thank you. I'm so excited, actually, because, yeah, we, we've met so long ago. And then I, I knew you had to be doing amazing things because you always <laughs> have. But to reconnect is really cool. Thank you, Greg. Yes. Awesome yes. Yeah. So I, I know that we, you know, when we first connected, uh, you were back in the Mike Ferry days, you were, you were like me, you were just a, a real estate agent that was doing everything you can to learn how to be a top producing real estate, uh, you know, a professional yeah. that that's correct. Right. You weren't doing coaching or anything. You were focusing on listings. And, yeah, and no, I, I actually real quick, uh, Greg, just yeah. a little bit of history. I got a real estate license in 1996. It was a buyer's market, like almost two months supply of homes on the market in Fort Lauderdale where I was. And I, I didn't really get a license with the intention of making it into a career. I just felt was a stay at home mom really at that point with a six month old and an eight year old cooking, cleaning, taking care of the house. I got a real estate license because I put my house for sale as a FISBO and a couple of months into it, it wasn't selling. And I'm like, uh, money's really tight. Maybe I should go get a license so I can list my own house and save, you know, three, three grand. I mean, it was a hundred thousand dollar house. And uh, yeah, then I stumbled into the first thing that I heard of was sweat hogs. Floyd Wickman. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The broker in my office. And one day I'm walking in with my daughter on my hip, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you gotta sign up for this. It's amazing." I'm like, "I don't have a babysitter." I ended up signing up, and obviously it's prospecting based. And I thought, I remember sitting there. I had left my when my daughter was born. I quit my job uh, working in a hotel, making thirty thousand a year, and I don't have a college degree, so. When she went to, I, I quit because I quit my job to stay home with her until she went to pre-K or whatever, right? A couple of years, then go back to work. And I mean, I would have gone back to a hotel job and maybe the most would be, I don't know, 60, 70,000. So then I get this real estate license. I attend Sweat Hogs and they're talking about prospecting. Just, you know, hey, there are people wanting to sell every day in your area, find them. Like, okay, when am I going to do this? So I started actually prospecting, dialing out, making calls, nights and weekends, because my ex-husband used to have a nine to five job and he would get home at five o'clock. I'm like, okay, dinner's ready. Here are the kids. Lock myself up in the laundry room with a phone with a bunch of scripts and start dialing and calling and calling nights and weekends. And um, it was fun because I had very limited time because I had the little kid, you know, I had to take care of the kids and stuff. So I decided to just focus on listings. I found out very quickly how much time buyers take. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Let me just dial, make calls, and look for people that want to sell. And 
you're gonna, I, Greg, I mean, you've been doing this for so long and you're so amazing and you work with so many agents. When I tell you my numbers that first year, you're gonna freak out. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Nights and weekends, I made, because soon after Sweat Hogs, I went to a Mike Perry event. I, it was a superstar retreat in Marco Island. I think it was 96 or 97. I don't know. You're probably there. So I, I immediately hire a one-on-one -on -one coach. It was completely broke. You know, my ex-husband used to make enough money to just pay the bills. But anyway, I'm like, that's it. I'm doing this thing. And so I started tracking my numbers. I was speaking that first year to 400 people a week, mm -hmm. like contacts. Yeah. And I sold 25 homes that first year. Now, I worked the entire year. And that dividing up, you know, because we used to track numbers. I remember faxing it to my coach back then. It was like 820 contacts to a sale. And sometimes I say this jokingly, but I'm sure you can confirm. I've been now coaching agents and training agents for 15 years. I have never had a client that was as bad as I was with the conversion numbers as I was that first year. I'm serious. Yeah. When people say to me, oh my gosh, how many people do I have to talk to to sell a house? I'm like, who cares? You know how much money, what the opportunity and potential is and for me? Like, it didn't even occur to me to think about how many people do I have to talk? I don't care. As long as I don't have to go back to the hotel making 30 grand a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. So anyway, that's how I started. But I only focused on listings because I had limited time. So I got to make the best use of the time and work the most efficient way. So I started calling, looking for people that want to sell. And um, I made a lot of just listed, just sold calls. My first two years, I worked part-time, the nights and weekends situation, right? And then my third year, I started working full-time. So now that year, for a third year, I sold 45 homes. It's really not a lot, but even the 25 that I sold my first year, I made about $70,000. That was more than double what I would have gone back to the hotel to do. Yeah. So it was- Well, like you know, another thing, Jackie, that's, 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 um, that's progressed in our careers is you say that's not a lot, but we're talking pre-2000 right now, okay? And, and, mm -hmm. and, and the definition of a top producer in the late nineties and the definition of a top producer today is two totally different things. Like to mm -hmm. me, I mean, this is me. Um, I say a top producer is somebody doing a hundred deals plus, right? right. Um, because there's just so many of them that do that. Right. But, yeah. but back when we're talking about, if you were doing 50 transactions, there's no question you're a top producer. So, you know, yeah. things, are, things are different. But I say that Greg, because I, I was involved in, coaching and going to all the Mike Ferry events. I mean, I was around people like you, I'm like 25 homes, like, like Michael spit on the floor, right? It's like, well, yeah. we were always I, chasing Karen Bernardi. You know, exactly. those early years we were chasing Karen. Karen, she was exactly. our rabbit. I chased her and chased her. And I mean, I just idolized her for so many years and she's still a wonderful person. Um, yeah. But that was kind of like, we all have that person, right? And that's who I was chasing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, for years. So where did you end up going? So at, at one point you transitioned into, you know, coaching. And then I know you did some, you know, different coaching companies. And now yeah. you've got kind of an, a, a really neat hybrid type of thing that you're doing right now. That's a great success. But yeah. where did you end up getting to in your real, like how many homes did you end up selling before you kind of got out of real estate? Yeah. So third year started full time sold 45 homes. Now, when I started first and second year, I was making a ton of just listed, just sold calls. And I did start calling expireds and FISBOs. Um, not a lot of success with expireds that first year. I mean, they're not easy to talk to. I had no clue what I was doing. I had zero sales, like I was totally clueless. And, you know, I was getting hung up on, I would set appointments and then there were other agents who would go list, cancel my, it was, expireds were tough. But I did start listing some FISBOs. My, my, about my third year, I wasn't making any more just list or sold calls. There were 45 FISBOs and expired sold. Fourth year, I hit 100 close transactions, all 
fizzles and expires. Those zero buyers and zero anything else. I never called a past client. And then I went to my fifth year, 125, and I stayed between 125 and 130 for several years until I started coaching. And, and fizzles and expires just became my thing. Yeah. Fizzles first, because initially they were just easier to talk to. I mean, they, they weren't easy to list, but at least they didn't hang up on me within. Yeah, they weren't seconds. mad. They weren't angry. Yeah, exactly. So I, my first year I listed probably, I don't remember exactly the number, but probably like five Fizbos, maybe one expired. The rest were all just listed. Um, but then as my skills, I started to get better at it. I'm like, yeah, I got this. And so Fizbos and expires became my thing. So it was around yeah. 125, 130. And I guess What's a little bit different about what I did because they were all listings sold. I was the only agent, like, you know, like I, today people have ISAs and they have a team of people making, I was the only one. I, every home I sold, I made the call, I went on the appointment, I got the price reduction, I pre-call, I did everything and then it sold. So it was me um, doing that part of the business. And my ex-husband was basically, an offer came in, he negotiated and closed. So we were at about 125, 130, just like that, just two people. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was, it was different, you know, than the huge teams. I attempted a few times when I was already selling 100 homes there to hire an assistant. I'm like, yeah, I could use an assistant. But I was way too busy to, I don't, I had no idea how to train them. I hired three people, poor these ladies, like three months later, I let them go because I, I was too busy to train. Plus, I didn't even know what they were supposed to do. It's like I was just making calls and taking listings. So that was it. Yeah. So here, you know, it, it's been an interesting last uh, 18, 24 months, right? With, yeah. Oh, with yeah. COVID, right? And um. And then, and then we get COVID, and then all of a sudden, at the same time, I don't know how this works, but it seems like we're now in a in a real estate market where the inventory is just as low now as probably I've ever seen it in my career. I agree. And yeah. in which, to me, it's like I'm I'm a little bit like confused. I thought we were supposed to go down and go up and and whatnot, but but we know with confusion, that's that that really that that's it's really challenging when there's a lot of changes in the economy or changes in the marketplace for real estate agents to yeah. stay focused on getting listings, and especially when it's so easy now to just get buyer leads online. Like, like we, again, we didn't have all these portals so we could just pay a couple of dollars and now we're flushed with all these leads. They happen to be buyer leads, which I know you and I were not really focusing on, but mm-hmm. right now it, to me, it seems like the, the, those portals that are selling leads yeah. I've kind of influenced the real estate agent of today to, hey, don't even bother with all that work of making that call for that listing. Yeah. You've got all these leads. We can do all the heavy lifting for you and just serve up these leads. So I know that you're, 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 you're really influencing, mentoring, and helping agents build great listing inventories. Maybe they're not accumulating listings, but they're getting listings, getting them sold, getting more listings. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, what what is your suggestion or your 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 mindset towards listings right now with a low inventory market where real estate agents are saying, well, all FISBOs are selling on their own and uh-huh. no the list because they don't need me. What are you saying to them? So a few things, Greg. First, in regards to buying leads, right? The online leads that you mentioned. Last, this was actually last week. I get emails from the Florida Association of Realtors every day. You know, they have articles, they have this and that. They just come into my email. And last week I noticed they had a a headline at the top. 1% of online leads close. I mean, I knew it was low. I thought it was like two to 3%, 1%. So that's that, you know, agents are, are... I have so many people that have joined my training now and they say, oh my gosh, I was paying so much money. And it, first of all, when you get a lead, whether you're buying it online, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Um, you're not the only one with that lead. And even if they, the, the lead is only sold to you, everyone has friends in real estate. They know a real estate agent. There's a neighborhood specialist, the, a parent. 
it's it's like you are going to have to be skilled to convert these leads and actually close them. So what's the point of not really becoming a great agent and just being given a bunch of leads that very few close and that's if you have the skills to handle their objections because they're going to have objections you still got to do a great listing presentation you got to price it right you know there's a lot of right now you don't have to price it right but you know in real life when things change and they will uh price is important so I, I, it's just to me, it, it's agents as always, Greg, and you know this, I'd rather do just about anything so I don't have to prospect. Just tell me anything, I'll do, I'll pay thousands of dollars, I'll put it on a credit card, I'll spend money I don't have, as long as I don't have to make phone calls, I don't have to talk to people I don't know, it's like they will do whatever. And I guess at some point, I think that's part of the reason why the real estate industry is so transient. You know, people get into real estate, they can get out of real estate because they're, they, they're not told what, what they really need to do. To me, there isn't, well, I guess I'm saying this because I don't have a college degree. English is my second language. I had no sales experience. I mean, for me, real estate, what, where else do I go to make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year where like what career it doesn't it's like anybody can do this mm -hmm. if they actually learn what is it that they need to do and they do it so now you know what's the difference now i remember you're right i think i i mean it's pretty hot market everywhere in the country i have clients in canada it's like this everywhere and in the early 2000s greg you know, the years that preceded the bottom falling out of real estate, you know, mm -hmm. the crazy recession that happened in 2008. It was a pretty hot market. I remember I got into real estate in 1996, buyer's market. In Fort Lauderdale, there were 27,000. I remember numbers because I used to track them from the very beginning. 27,000 residential properties for sale in 1996, uh, 97, 98 about 1500 selling per month almost you know 1800 18 month supply homes on the market then in the early 2000s i'm selling real estate these are the years that i was listing 100 fisbos and 50 expireds a year there were 3000 residential properties for sale and every month 3000 sold and another 3000 was listed and 3000 it was the revolving door so those were the years when I was taking 150 listings a year by myself. So, uh, okay, what's different now? Um, I, there isn't anything different now. I agree. I, there isn't. It's, it's the same thing. And I, I live in Miami right now for fun because I coach agents. I have a large group of agents that I coach that are here in Miami but I have agents from all over the country in my sales platform, my training platform. So I have been doing this on a weekly basis now because I'm like, wow, this is fun. I, I took the county where Miami is, Miami-Dade County, right, Miami. And I, I went in the MLS in the last 30 days. The last search I did was on April 22nd. So between March 22nd and April 22nd, 2021, how many properties were listed in Miami? Because agents say there are no listings. Okay, so let's check this out. 4,037 new residential listings in 31 days in Miami. And about, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me now, but about a thousand of those are pending already. So let me stop you for a second, because this is critical, okay? Yeah. So one of the things that I tell people is this, is because I'm hearing, well, there's no listings, nobody wants yep. to list, they don't know where they're gonna go, so they don't wanna list, they, you know, we know them all, right? Yep. And, um, and, and I know people are saying that, I know that, that agents are hearing those things, um, but the reality is, is that we're gonna probably end up in 2006, I mean, 2006, uh, uh, 2021 being one of the 
biggest years for number of closed sales. And in 2020, mm -hmm. it was one of the highest years for number of sales. So we're probably going to like set records for two years in a row or at least reach like record levels. And for there to be record level sales, there's there's a buyer and a seller. Okay, yes, so record level. So that means there that means there had to be record level number of listings. So is it safe to say, because I just thought of this and I think you'll agree. And if mm -hmm. you don't, please tell me. Yeah. But I think what it all boils down to when people, when agents are saying there's no listings, nobody wanna, wants to list. I think they're looking at the standing inventory and saying there's no listings. And then that perpetuates into nobody wants to list when the reality is, yes, there is very little standing inventory. But when we look at the turnover, the listing on, listing off, the number of new listings is high. It's just there's not an accumulation of listings. And I think that's where the confusion is. Well, yeah, that's a great point. And, and then when I look at these numbers from Miami and the previous month was the same, Okay, so if there were close, let's say 4,000, it was slightly over 4,000, 4,000 new listings in the last 30 days, a thousand of those are pending. That's 25%. Mm. 75% of those that were listed in the last three days, they haven't been sold yet. And if every month, you know, here's how I think about it. I, 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 I have trouble understanding it because I don't think that way. I mean, what do you mean there are no listings? What, I, there are 4,000 new listings in Miami. If I was selling real estate today and I wanted to take 20 of those, there's no doubt in my mind. 20, 30, out of 4,000? You know, the thing is, the agents are not, they're not willing to do what it takes to go look for those people. How many of those 4,000 new listings in the last 30 days are going to call you and say, come list me or knock on your door in your office and say, can you list my house? It's not going to happen, but that's the waiting game. The real estate agents, they don't want to make the calls. Yeah. For sale by owners right now. Oh yeah. All physicals are selling. No, all physicals are not selling. I have clients in my training that are listing physicals every single week everywhere all over the country no not all of them are selling oh but they all say well you know the market is so hot i could sell it uh, they've always sounded like that it doesn't yeah. matter like there's no fisbo i i started calling fisbos in 96 buyer's market then it turned to a husband it doesn't matter of course they're confident that they can sell it if they weren't they wouldn't be selling on their own they would have hired an agent already so it's it's how do you handle these objections. What's the right thing to say to them? How do you close for an appointment? How do you make a presentation where you show them why paying your commission is going to benefit them? All the different, I mean, that's what it's about, but that's too much effort to learn how to sell. So yeah. I'd rather just say there are no listings. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I'm with you. So what I just wrote down here is like, you know, what I'm taking away from from, from this conversation is number one, from a mindset standpoint, real estate agents need to stop talking themselves out of the, uh -huh. the, 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 the fact that there's plenty of listings being uh, going on the market on a daily basis. They got to, yeah. they just got to say, there are plenty of listings. There's 4,000 listings in Miami Dade in, in the last month. How many of those did I, do I want? That needs to be the conversation the conversation of there's no one listening and all the, the, the objections, tune that out. Now, once yep. you do that, then you've got to take action. So it's mindset and then massive action, right? And 100%. As so many people don't really, they're not willing to take action. And, and what I don't, what I want to uh, uh, say to everybody is like, hey, look, if you think what Jackie is describing as hard work, then let's, let, let, let's step back for a minute and let's look at what real hard work is like hard work could be, you know, being in Arizona in the summer and having to build houses outside and put on those tile roofs. That's oh. hard work. What oh. we're talking about is sitting in air conditioning, talking to some four silver owners and expired. <laughs> and, and maybe the hardest thing we have to do 
is we talk to a FISBO and they say, look, I don't need you. I can sell it on my own. The hardest thing for us to do is for us to sit down by ourselves or with a role play partner and practice how we would respond. Like that's as hard as our job gets. You got, oh my gosh, that, that makes it sound so silly to actually, oh, that's so hard. Really, right? That's, that's it. it. That's yeah. it. So, just do it over and over and over and over and over. But And it gets easier and easier, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more calls you make, the more people you talk to, the more you practice, the more the easier these calls are going to be. So then it starts to, I think you said earlier, it's like a game. It's so much fun. It's like a high, oh my, you set an appointment, it's like the adrenaline. You walk away from a, a listing with a signed listing agreement, you know the listing is well priced. I mean, there's yeah. just no high that, better than that. It's just so awesome. What What do you think is, if there were one or two steps to um, being successful at four by owners, what are the one, two, or three most important things to know and understand um, mm -hmm. about approaching force of owners for listings? Wow. Okay. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> By the way, yeah. I, I, I reached out to you on Facebook Messenger, right? I, I Facebook messaged you. And, yes. and what was funny, I, you, I think you have a client named Sean, and I can't recall Sean's last name. Neil. Right yeah. What is it? Well, Neil. I, Yes, that's it. Yeah. I don't know if he told you, but he like messaged me or texted me. He goes, dude, I think this girl's way better than you. At oh. And I'm like, I'm like, who is this guy? But then I looked to see who he was talking about and it was you. And I'm like, well, she may be. So I'm not going to. Yeah, no way. No, he's just being really kind. I may be better looking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. But he really said, you got to get her. You guys have to talk. And I, that's when I reached out to you. So, that's so cool. I interrupted Very you, cool. but I wanted to just tell you that little story. But um, yeah, okay. that's fine. Four sub owners. So, so Fizbo's. Okay. So I'm going to say one thing. And then from that, Greg, you have questions. We could talk about it. For sale by owner, and this is, I mean, being captain obvious here, because it, but, but you know, agents don't always think about these things. FISBOs are selling on their own because they don't see any reason to pay an agent to do something that they think they can do, period. That's it. Fair That's enough. the reason. Fair right. Enough. So in from a from their perspective, uh, I, why am I gonna just throw money away? I look at what the look at the average agents. What do they do? Um they they put it in the MLS. Well, I could do that. I their companies I could pay three hundred bucks. They they throw the house in the MLS. Uh, they put a sign in front of my house. Okay, that's cheap. I could I could order a sign. I could do professional photos. I could put it on hundreds of websites. I could do everything they do. I don't need to pay an agent all this six seven percent commission to do that. So they don't see the value. Yeah. Because I believe people pay for. People pay for perceived value, maybe not even value. They per, the perception of value is what people pay for. I, I I think about it like you know you're a you're a man, but maybe you know you're you're are you married, Greg? Yes. So your wife, she must talk about you know expensive brands of women's Chanel or yeah, like or you you go pay like. A cheap Chanel bag is $5,000. What does it cost to make the bag? What, maybe like 300 bucks? Why do people pay $5,000 for, for a purse for a woman? Perceived value, the, the brand, the whatever. For sale by owners are going to pay for perceived value. And when I say perceived, doesn't mean it's fake. It doesn't exist. But the problem is, I say to my clients like this. Fizbo's will list their home with the first agent who can show them the value in paying the commission. If the commission is an expense, meaning I pay and there's no return for me, I'm just paying money. Well, of course, they're not going to want to do it. The commission needs, you need to help this for sale by owner understand that paying your commission is an investment. An investment is when there is an ROI, there's a return. You're gonna more than make up for the commission that you charge, how? And this is the conversation agents don't understand because how are you gonna convince a for sale by owner 
that there's value in paying your commission. If you don't even know what that value is, that you, you don't know what it is you do that would, because I, I have clients say, well, you know, the market is so hot. I talked to a FISBO and I actually think that they're priced right and they can sell it. I mean, I don't think they really need me. Well, how do you convince somebody of something you don't believe in? Uh, you don't, okay? That just, it's not gonna happen. So the value, regardless of how hot the market is, if a for sale by owner puts their property for sale for 400,000 and within 24 hours, they get a full price offer on their own, they would be thrilled, happy. Now in a market like this, how much more could that FISBO sell it for if instead of exposing the property to a very small, narrow percent of the buyers on the market, they had the hundreds of thousands of agents and buyers all over the millions of agents, like, more exposure equals more money. That's what happens in an auction. You go buy something on eBay, you're the only bidder, great. Bidding, starting bid, it's yours. If there are multiple bidders, price starts to go up. More demand equals more money. FISBOs, their demand, the demand for a for sale by owner is limited. According to NAR, last year, 92% of the homes sold in the United States in 2020 there was an agent involved. It was an agent-assisted sale. What does that mean? FISBOs have access to 8% of the buyers on the market. How do you get your home sold for top absolute highest price, exposing it to 8% of the market? I mean, the more exposed. So th there's a whole a lot of different scripts and dialogues and conversations around this, but Agents don't realize any of that. They don't they just don't know because they haven't stopped to think about it or haven't had any, you know, anybody like share stuff. It's like it's all logical. Yeah. For sale by owners end up selling for less for so many reasons. And that's what it's about. And how do we bring value? It's not only how much you can sell it for, it's the price. It's the terms, it's negotiating inspections, repairs, appraisal, walkthroughs. There's so many aspects of this transaction that could potentially cost them a fortune. Signing a contract that falls apart two weeks before closing. How, what's, how much does that cost them in time, money, energy, aggravation? There's just so many things that agents don't realize that they do. And some agents don't do it because, you know, I don't know, they just don't. But most agents that are knowledgeable, professional, yeah, there's the, the value in the commission is huge. And when you help a for sale by owner understand that, they'll pay. They'll pay your commission. They just don't know what they don't know. Well, it, it's they're making, they'll, they'll invest in you, right? You're, Correct. It's, they're really not paying because, I mean, they're paying. Right. I understand that. But it's. Well, but not really, Greg, because not really. Yeah, because they don't, you know, and this is another dialogue that it just, sometimes we forget. They're not gonna pay me any commission until we get to the closing table mm -hmm. and, and this property closes. And for that to happen, I have to bring you an offer that you're happy with and you're willing to accept. And I gotta handle every step of this transaction until we get to the closing table. That's when I get paid. Until then, my work is free. Yeah. And if I, if I bring you an offer at a price that you're, that you're happy with, and I close this transaction, okay, I, I earned, you know, and, and again, every step of the way, I believe in the investment, which is what you said, it's really not an expense. I am more than make, gonna make up for the commission that I charge. Yeah, you know, I, I've told people many times, I said, look, you know, I understand that, you know, you can sell the property on the own. And 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 I and I hope I didn't miscommunicate because I was in no way was I ever trying to insinuate that you couldn't sell on your own. But in the event that one of your intentions and one of your goals is to maximize your sales price and make sure you leave the closing table with the most money, then I'm probably a really good option for you. Now, if you just want to sell it on your own, to be able to say, I did it without a realtor, you're going to be successful.
But if you want to brag about the amount of money that you take out of this home, then you're probably going to want to talk with me. That would be one conversation I'd have right now. The other conversation I'd have right now, I'd say, look, there's two negotiations that going to, uh, is going to, to, to occur in this transaction. There's the negotiation um, when the buyer makes the initial offer and you have your asking price and there's the negotiation on what price we settle at. And that, that negotiation will be heavily influenced by the market and the demand that I create. So if I create a lot of demand and we look at the market, I'm likely to get you a little bit more than someone may on their own. But the second negotiation is the most important negotiation. And that is when the home inspection comes back. Because you got to remember the buyer is hiring an inspector to come and inspect the property. The inspector is getting paid by the buyer. So there's no way that the inspection is going to come back clean. It's going to come back with so many things on it. And especially when we negotiate a high price, they're going to try to renegotiate us in the inspection. Well, here's where I come in. I understand the contract. I know what is covered under the inspection and what's not covered under the inspection. And when that buyer and that agent comes back and tries to nickel and dime you to death, I'm going to protect you. Where some agent may actually, their client may cough up ten dollars or $15,000 to get through the inspection conversation, we will cough up very little. What I likely will save you in the inspection will probably exceed my real estate commission. When going back to you and you're saying, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this. There is so many things that we have to do, but the saving them from being Nick, I will, I say, I don't say save. One of my jobs, and I take this one really seriously, is I'm going to protect you from being nickeled and dimed by the other agent and the buyer when it comes to negotiation of that home inspection. Because we know people are using these home inspections as a way to actually get to renegotiate the deal and get the property at a, at a lower price. I will protect you from that. Oh my gosh, I'm glad this is being recorded and I'll listen back because I wanted to be writing everything you're saying. So that, that was amazing. Like yeah. the way that you conveyed it, you know? I mean, I say all that stuff, I know it, but it was brilliant. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so I wrote down something that you said, but you didn't say it, but this is what I took from it. Mm -hmm. is that as agents, we got to be careful. See, there's the consumer has a perceived value. They, they have a value that they perceive on our industry. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and as a real estate agent, we got to run, we got to understand when we're on a listing presentation, our, we're not the industry. We are an individual. So we go in with they having a perceived value of the industry. It's what I heard you say. It's up to the agent to create a perceived value for themselves as an individual. And I think I bet you a lot of people go in and their perceived value is nothing more than the perceived value of the industry. And they're not offering up their own value in their value proposition. What, what are your thoughts on that? A hundred percent. You could, you, you said it better than I could have said it. It's exactly <laughs> right. I, the real estate industry, actually, this is fun. It was about a year ago. I was doing my continuing education, you know, to keep your real estate license. And I'm reading through this book and you take a little test or whatever. And there was one article written about, um, our industry as real estate agents, there were like study survey, whatever it was, uh, asking the general public, do you trust real estate agents? About 70% said no. And it said right there in my C course, uh, real estate agents came just below members of the, con uh, the Congress in trust and car salesmen. So this is the perceived value. Yeah. The public, this is how they see the industry. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's in, we are the ones that have to change that for ourselves. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I have a real estate license. I, I, I'm not bundled up with the average agent out there, but this is the industry we're in. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why for sale by owners think they can sell it themselves. Because they're looking at the average agents. Like, I don't blame them. I, I, I told you in the beginning, I was a fizzball myself before I got into real estate because I was thinking just like this. Oh, hey, I mean, look at what they do. I could do that. Yeah. And yeah. having, and 
you know, another, I think, misconception that agents have about FISBOs is, oh, it, it's going to take a long time. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to call a FISBO and set an appointment and go on a list them right away. It's going to take, you know, following up because they want to try and they just started. And yeah, those are all objections they have, but they will list with the first agent that can show them the value in paying the commission. That could happen the first day they're on the market. No, it's not easy, but can it happen 100%? You know, the way that you're describing it is, again, sounds so simple, but to me, I feel like what you're saying here is like, you're, you're really extracting the most important points here. Again, you mindset, take action, and, and communicate your value. Yeah. And what you just said right there, they, they will, they're likely, it, it's not, a, it doesn't have to be a drawn out process. You know, whenever their perception of value starts to increase yep. to the amount that you're requesting in payment, they list. They pay. They all 100%. Well, they list. You're right. Because they're yeah, not going to pay till closing. Yes. yes they, they list it right there. So, yeah. so it really comes down to, I mean, one of the takeaways that I hope the audience hears out of this is like, you know, uh, yes, there could be more to it and there could be many more things that could be shared. But if they take one thing away and that is spend the next couple of days asking yourself, why would I list with myself? Mm. Why would I list with me? What are the three things about me that would be worthy of me listing with myself? And I always say, and if, if you say that the reason why somebody should list with me is because I'm honest. Eh, because that's, that's a given, like you, you have, to, that's a given, that's everybody should be honest, or, you know, I'm going to, uh, they should list with me because I'm good at follow-up and mm. every, the, the consumer's automatically going to think that honesty is not a value. That's actually just the, that's a, that's mandatory. There's nothing better. It's kind of like my child comes to me and says, Hey, can I have an extra, uh, you know, $20? Cause I made my bed. I'm like, no, you don't get $20 for doing what you're supposed supposed to do. You know, you got to go beyond that before, you know, we start having those conversations. So I challenge everybody to really look in the mirror and ask yourself, challenge yourself, what is your value? What, you know, I I will share with, I'll share what I perceive my value is. And Jackie, I'd like you to Mm -hmm. think about what you perceive your value is, you know, Mm -hmm. and if we can go back to real estate, listing real estate, not as coaches, But one of the things that I always said that my value is, I want my, I want anybody that I talk to as a consumer, buyer or seller, mostly sellers, I want every seller to feel like they're the most informed seller in the marketplace. My value is to educate and inform so I can empower them to make good financial decisions. That was like, so I was an educator. So in my presentation, there was a lot of not price it at 525,000. It was, we may consider this price because of blank, blank, blank. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the one, you know, I was, I was involving them. Now that doesn't mean that that's the right presentation or the wrong presentation, but it was the right presentation that aligned with the value that I was committed to. And somebody else's value could be totally different and that might tailor their presentation. Um, But mine was to empower people with information so they could make great financial decisions. That was the value I wanted to bring. Um, What are your thoughts on on value? And maybe as as a salesperson yourself, what did you pride yourself on? I love what you said about the price conversation. When it comes to price, what you are referring to, help them understand how... I came to the conclusion that I came to. If if I come to the conclusion the house is worth 500,000, what is it based on? It's based on the recent sales, the supply and demand. Help them understand so they can come to the same conclusion. It's an educator. It's it's but I for me, I remember my first my first year, second year in real estate, because I came from a, you know, $30,000 a year job. And all of a sudden my average price back then was maybe a hundred and I don't know, my average commission was five, five grand. It wasn't that high, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, compared to what I was making when I was selling real estate, I didn't 
I didn't think that I was working hard enough for the money I was making, like value. Okay. I, and I went through that for like two or three years. It was all mindset in my head. You know, what are you worth? And is this, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then I, I, you know, I think mindset too, it's a, it's what we believe in. It's like the conversation in our head. Like I call in my roommate, you know, I don't know if you read the book where they talk about the roommate, like this voice in my head that keeps talking all day long. If I lived with somebody like that was my roommate, like they'd be out of here in like an hour. So that conversation, you know, the habitual blah, 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 the broken record in my head, it really is habitual thinking and I can change that and I realized that when I got into real estate like I become what I think about most of the time I wasn't even aware of what I was thinking about but I certainly when I started to become aware I realized that what I was thinking about was not serving me in any way and it wasn't going to help me sell more homes and I I was doubting the value I was doubting everything that I could and whatever so I remember at some point really realizing like knowing and feeling it and believing it. I am the best agent in my market. And when I started saying that to myself, I don't think that I really even knew why, but I created that conversation and I started looking for evidence and looking, like you said, think about it. Why would you list with yourself? You were saying like, I started to sort of gather in evidence and information as to why I'm the best agent in this marketplace. And after a few months, I, I started to believe it. Yeah. That, like, when you, when you actually believe, and that's my value, I really believe that. There is no agent in this market that possibly could even start to do anywhere close to the, the job, which is the results, ultimately, of what I can do for you. I used to say, I mean, this was like a script. Sometimes, you know, if they start... I would say, Greg, if I can't sell your home, no one can. Mm -hmm. By hiring me, you are putting yourself in the best position you can. Because sometimes, you know, whatever, the real, well, can you really, listen, if I can't sell it, no one can. Yeah. You know, and, the and, is like, I know you believe that. And, and that's like, that's got to be 90% of it. It is. I think it's everything because I, when you believing that made me unstoppable. It's yeah. because now I felt like it wasn't about me anymore. It's like, if you don't list with me, you're making a mistake. Yeah. And I believe that. Yeah. And so now it's not, you know, in the beginning I was, you know, I had no, no, no belief in myself, no belief in my value. I was kind of desperate. I was broke, but then all of a sudden when it's not about you anymore, it's about helping them see why they're making a mistake. If they list with anybody else, whoa, it, unstoppable, Listen, literally. But, then, but I created that conversation and I repeated it in my head and I looked for evidence and I ended up believing it. It's like, well, how do you do that? Well, you are placing, re replacing negative thoughts with positive thoughts. Exactly. And just yeah. like if you only feed negative thoughts, then you're going to believe those negative thoughts. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, I, I had a coach that used to say, you know, so how do you, how do you, how do you, how does that, all of that come out of you? Well, uh, I put it in there first. You got to put it in for it to come out. You know, it's like, how do you pull the rabbit out of the hat? The magician, how do they do? They put the rabbit in there first. Well, what are you feeding your mind? Because whatever you're putting, whatever your the repetitive, you know, conversation, that's what's going to show up. Yeah. And the same way that I, I, I developed or created all the limitations I had before I got into real estate. You got to undo that. How do you do it with repetitive repetition? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And, and you, you've shared so much today and I, I've, I've just enjoyed the conversation. It's, uh, Me too. You know, so, it's, fun. it's fun. So how do people get in touch with you? Your company is SalesXTraining, is that correct? Yep. SalesXTraining.com. Just .com. check it out. Go, go there and take a look around. See, it's, it's, it, it is, I say, you know, I'm biased because it's my baby, right, Greg? But <laughs> it is the highest level training. This is not 
you know, oh, what are you doing? How was your week? What are, no, no, no. This is, here's what you do, how you do it, what to say, how you say it. A lot of mindset conversations like what we had here. And it's very, very affordable. And we have two live calls a week. If you have any questions, go on the website. You can submit a question, call, whatever. Yeah, and the thing that I don't mind doing, and I don't do this all the time, but I definitely know that Jackie is teaching based on experience. She's not teaching based on, she read a book about force of owners and now she's going to take that book and, and create her own book, but never done it. Jackie has walked the walk. And I know that because we kind of like started off at the same time in the same groups and we, we knew what each other were doing. And I think we probably mutually looked at each other as, wow, hey, you know, we're, 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 we are growing. At least we know we were working really hard. Our numbers were increasing. So for those of you, you were I was, my idol back then, Greg. We were like together. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is like insane. So, but I, I appreciate that. But I know that you did the work and I know that your results are real. And, um, and, and the reason I put emphasis on that is because, you know, everyone's in coaching and teaching and everyone's willing, it seems like everyone's got some sort of merchant services account where they can actually receive somebody's payment in the real yeah. estate industry. And I just have every bit of confidence that um, if anyone invests in you, that you're, they're going to get a return. Cause I know that you're actually, you've built stuff based on experience and, and I, um, I respect and admire people that have actually walked the walk. So just wanted to say that. So sales X training. Um, yep. Of course, if any of you um, want to, you know, kind of touch on some of the things that I'm doing, go to realestatesalessolutions.com. And I don't think you can go wrong with me or Jackie in any rate. But Jackie, thank you so much. She's on Facebook, you know, message her if you have questions. Um, but Jackie, thank you again. Oh, Greg, thank you. This was so fun. So yeah. fun. Stay in touch. It was awesome. I really yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.